Welcome to the Boil Now Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. This works for us. Did I say there's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober? I like Monopoly. I'm Don. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I'm Sam, y'all. Not as in Sam, y'all, but Sam. Sam, y'all. Y'all. It, somebody who's not from the South might not even know what Sam, y'all. I'm Sam, y'all. It's kind of like Samwise? It's kind of like Samwise or Samuel. 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 You know, I got a cup of coffee in Durham one time. They had one of their brand new artisan coffee shops open up. And and this place, I mean, it can take like 10 minutes to get a cup of coffee because they're going to craft brew it for you and all that. Well, I went in. All I wanted was a cold coffee. I wanted them to take a cup and pour cold coffee in it and hand it to me. And he asked for my name. And it caught me so off guard that I went, uh, Sam? And 10 minutes later, I've got a coffee on a cup, uh, and written on the cup is A-S-A-M. My name became a Sam. A Sam. Yes. A it was Sam. a Middle Eastern guy, no less, too. So, I mean, he, he heard it with, with Middle Eastern ears, and, and he heard that I said my name was a Sam. Well, that makes sense to me. I, uh, <laughs> I can call you a Samuel. A Samuel. <laughs> we were at a men's meeting yesterday, and a guy was sharing about his uh, daughter, got sober and was in a treatment center. And he went to the treatment center. The treatment center said, the best thing you could do is for the two of you, the, the parents, to not have alcohol at this big Christmas dinner that you're going to have coming up. And he was going, what? What? You're at... It was the greatest thing because I completely identified. It's like, don't tell me. But here's the thing. I just went to see my doctor and he said, I have to stop taking Prilosec, which is an antacid. Mm-hmm. So I did, and it was it's awful. It's really hard to get off. It's a miracle drug. I just have no problem with eating. But now I do. So I was reading up on it, and one of the main things it says that you can do is to quit drinking coffee. Oh, that can't happen. What? What? Exactly. How dare you ask me to quit drinking? I am not quit drinking coffee. Uh, you know, but I can go decaf anytime. I don't believe you. I believe I can. Besides, decaf's made out of the dirt the coffee plant's grown in. Decaf's, that's got just as much acid. Yeah, in it. I mean, you might as well just go on and tell your doctor he should prescribe you a glass feel, of wine a day. I feel like I'm doing pretty good because the coffee I'm drinking doesn't actually have acid in it. By that, I mean LSD. That's a, that's an outside issue, Don. Well, it doesn't have acid in it. <laughs> we have a guest. Oh, thank God. Oh, <laughs> hi, guest. Who are you? Hi, I'm your guest. My name is Rick. Hey, Rick. Rick. Thanks and for joining boy, us. You came off very, very aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Did well, you? He's worked up. He's had that cold coffee. Now I'm sipping on hibiscus tea. You got hibiscus tea, which uh, I didn't tell you. There's acid. In oh God, <laughs> the colors! This show's going to get good in about thirty minutes. <laughs> I've chosen very so. wisely by bringing my own. Yeah, that's always a wise <laughs> what thing, I especially brought is going to a party. <laughs> yeah. It is still a mystery, right? <laughs> 
Never drink out of clear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and sippy cups always help. Sippy cups. Sippy cups. <laughs> Hello. All alcoholics, uh, I noticed. You know, if you've ever been to an Al-Anon meeting, they don't give a flying flip about having something to drink. They don't have coffee there. They don't have stuff to drink there. You go to well, that's because they're going to go home and get drunk. At the Al-Anon meeting? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe so. But I mean, no, they don't care about it. But if you go to an AA meeting, everybody's got giant water bottles and they're carrying all kinds of beverages. I usually have two beverages. Well, you realize that we have drinking problems, right? Yeah. And it continues. Like an airplane. Ah. Uh, I stopped having that drinking problem when I stopped drinking. Ah, gotcha. I spilled. <laughs> when, that's really wrong, that's, too. That's a big problem. Yeah, it is. When did you get sober? Uh, well, who's listening? Um, cause I don't want the newcomers to find out. Uh, uh but I got sober December 23rd, 1995. I, you were but a wee thing. Was but a sliff of a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I've been here much longer than I thought I would. I just turned 21 years old. Were there other people of your age group in, in 1995? I... Uh, there were a number a lot of, of young people. There were a number of teenagers, actually. Uh, my brother is five years younger than me, and he got sober or clean in NA two weeks before I did. Oh wow! Um, so it's he was seventeen, um, and he had a lot of peers. Uh huh. Actually, was that a model for you to get sober? Did that help you to well, decide actually, to give up? <laughs> no. 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 Uh, I didn't really give up. I just kind of ran out of ideas. Um, and I had a really bad night. And I had been tricked into some meetings. And for the first time, I just realized I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what to do next. So this whole not drinking thing just sounds crazy enough to work. Um, I was going to come in here and figure some stuff out. And then we'll revisit the drinking idea, which meant immediately go back to drinking. But that's not how this turned out. So you were thinking you could just, uh, what were you hoping to get? I was hoping to work an unmanageability anonymous program. Uh Ah, I like that. So you could could still drink. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. But I, I knew I'd have to do this first so that I can get some sort of job, stop making mom cry, you know, get some health back. Get some trust back, be able to think again. And then once I get all this settled down, I get all the losers out of my life because they're a big problem. And I get some new people into my life. Fortunately, y'all look like you could be taken advantage of. And it's true. It's true. I mean, that's what I thought. Uh huh. So I'll just hang out here for a little while, get some stuff back. Wow. And then I'll live my life again. So you didn't give up, but you did give up a little bit and that you decided that you would quit drinking. Yeah, I I stole this, but my surrender was of the educational variety. Yeah. Uh, I spent two years in AA absolutely convinced that I was not alcoholic. I just have unmanageability problems and that AA might work for that. But I better not drink because... They say you only have to have a desire to stop, but they really mean we won't be friends with you if you don't stop drinking. (laughs) 
So that's so I did. You're not really a part. You're not really a part of it if you're still drinking. Oh well, they, I'd never been a part of anything, so that was that was familiar to me. Yeah. Um, I've been faking my way into friend groups and other clubs and uh, choirs in high school and and everything I've ever done. I faked my way into up until that point. Because you always felt like you weren't a part of anything. Yeah, pretty much. It's disconnected. I mean, a lot of people come into AA and they say, I felt different. I had documentation. Um, I had some medical issues when I was a kid, and there, there were results. Um, so I, I am different. Mm-hmm. So when it says, you know, no one likes to admit that they're different, I pretty much reveled in it. Because not only did it set me apart, I just assumed it set me ahead. It set me above. Uh-huh. Because hmm. I might not have the body of everybody else, but I got a mind instead. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. I, so I'm, I was an artist, and I think from an early age, you know, I, I didn't feel like a, I was a part of the world in any way. And everybody treated me like I was an oddball, a freak. And so I just decided to be as odd as possible. And definitely to, that's, and it was like, that's going to be my, you know, that's going to be my thing. You want weird. I'm going to be weird. I'll show so, you weird. Yeah. So I, I became like a professional surrealist. I mean, I read about the surrealists and junior high school and high school and just adopted all of that and tried spoke nonsense and, Definitely. And gibberish. And it was like, this is what you're going to get, you know. And I and it was disturbing to come to AA because I thought I was going to lose my edge if oh, I were yeah. to get sober. You know, I'm going to lose. I, I sure did lose my edge. It was an edge that needed losing. I lost my destructive, my self-destructive edge. But I didn't lose, I didn't have to give up my uh, personality. I didn't have to give up my creative energy. Yeah, you're still weird. In a way, yeah. Not in a way, Don. (laughs) And that's without (laughs) acid in my coffee. Wait. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I, I was a nerd. I was a little nerd boy, grew up in the country away from other kids, and so I didn't even relate to kids. You know, I related to adults. Um, I was smart, and that was how I was going to be better than you in any situation, even if it got my ass kicked. I'm going to be smart. Yeah. And, uh, and it caused a lot of problems for mm. me. That well, and I was a class clown, too. I also figured I'd better be smart so that I could avoid getting my ass kicked. See, I wasn't that smart. You were, you were, <laughs> I'll bet Sam, you were confrontationally smart. I was precocious. Yeah, like, like you were show, you were like throwing it in people's faces. Well, I knew that I was already going to get accosted in some way, shape, or form anyway. So I, I, you know, one of my strongest things was self effacing humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like cut myself to shreds in language that you didn't even understand. Now, how fucked up is that? Yeah. I used to consider myself very honest, but I only used words that I knew people didn't understand. <laughs> words are wonderful. They're so much fun. I love them. Yes. 
So when you came to AA, what was the first parts that you would agree to? <laughs> Ooh, what did I agree to? I agreed to tacos. That's how I got tricked into meetings for the first three times. Sweet. You see, you um, said tricked into meetings twice. What's the, what does this mean? I uh, I was doing what I do, um, and at the time, I believed everything was going according to plan. This is my life. I am the gutter king. Um, I rule my little kingdom of losers, and I was just loving it. Um, I had a. I mentioned my younger brothers also have been clean in NA. At the time, neither of us were, but my older brother came to visit, and he was talking about almost 30 days clean, and like it was a good thing. Um, he had been living out of state. He surrendered and started going to meetings, and not knowing anything about their traditions, when he came to visit me, he took one look at my life and told me I had to get clean, I had to make changes, all of this stuff isn't working, and you blah, 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 blah. Yes, typical newcomer. Typical newcomer verb. And um, I kindly told him to get the F out, you know, not kindly. And so I shamed him into leaving in some way or another. And then when he invited me to go get Taco Bell, which was a big treat for a gutter king like me, absolutely come get me. And he came and got me, and oh wait, we got to stop at this place first. And it <laughs> happened twice. Oh, it was a trick. <laughs> I, I, I got tricked. It was an evangelical trick, an evangelical AA trick. Hmm, I'm not sure about evangelical. Well, I mean, he was trying to get you. He sober. was trying. Um, he was promoting. Yeah. And you know, as much as I agree with attraction versus promotion. On someone as crazy and deluded and who didn't realize how desperate he was, it worked on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we, I, I can see in a lot of situations that something like that, and I've heard uh, that you know somebody got informed, they, they became, became aware of AA in a situation akin to that, mm-hmm. but they weren't even close to ready. And so, you know, when the year's consequences piled up and all that happened, eventually they knew where to go because they had had a taste of it. Yeah. But for someone to trick you into it and you were ready, you just didn't know it. Two times. Is that yeah, kind of what you're saying? I was ready, but I wasn't anywhere close to being ready to admit it. <laughs> Got I it. had to turn it into a win somehow. A you trick. had to pull something over. I had to be getting over, or it wasn't. I wasn't going to get there. Fortunately, I had a really bad night one night. You know, it was much like any other night, but it got real bad. What do you mean? What was it? What happened? I, we ran out of alcohol. We ran out of drugs. I had to feel different. I looked under the kitchen sink, and I decided I'm smart enough to turn rat poison into something that'll make me feel different. I am not smart enough. Wow. Um, I am almost smart enough to have killed myself. Um, and I didn't really have an opinion about that while it was happening. But once I realized I was probably going to live, it pissed me off. Because I had to admit that something like that was going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And then I had this knowledge that I didn't care whether I died. And, and I was really surprised scary. to discover I cared. So I was like, I got to do something. 
And that's when I started looking for a solution. What new fight can I do? What new con can I pull? You know, what new person can I manipulate? And I just didn't have any. And AA was the only thing left. I guess I better go check out what's happening over there. So the rat poison incident happened after you had gone to two meetings or that happened after right the, before you? Yeah, after the meetings. Uh, so you decided, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I probably had picked up on the idea that, you know, yeah, I'm going to find some way to make myself feel different. I just didn't connect the two pieces of information that I was doing exactly what people were describing in those meetings, mm-hmm. that I was trying to satisfy an obsession. Well, that's like a... It took me years to admit that that's what, what yeah. happened. Yeah, that that's kind of a hard concept at first to really get. I mean, I didn't really get the idea that alcohol's but a symptom yeah. for a year, I don't think, where I really understood it on a deep level that... It is about not drinking, but the problem is, before I drink, what am I going to do about my thinking before I drink? Because that's where the problem is. I'm trying. That's where I'm making bad decisions. What drives me to that? What drives me to that point where the obsession can kick in? Right. Exactly. And and you know that's why I say that I surrendered at an educational level is because at two years sober. That's when the obsession returned because I had made everything. I started making everything better. Like I was marginally more healthy, marginally making some money, marginally in some good relationships. The family was going great. And for no reason whatsoever, the obsession to drink returned. And it just, it occurred to me, oh, that, that's, that's what happens to alcoholics. Because I was convinced that I had, Worked a fairly successful unmanageability anonymous program. So when that uh, when that obsession returned, what what did you do? Panicked, because hmm. you know I'd been smart enough to figure out what alcoholism is and what the treatment is, you know, and I'd been okay with being in the fellowship. I wasn't okay with being in the program yet, because the program meant God. Uh, I was willing to look for some sort of power. Um, But even though, you know, I felt pretty strongly because I was very opinionated because it didn't apply to me, that if you really wanted to recover from alcoholism, you'd probably have to rely on God. Whether that be big G God or whatever your definition of God is. You're saying you were thinking this in, in the first two years. Yeah. As because it didn't apply to me intellectually, I could intellectualize it. Yeah, but then but it you weren't to doing me. that. I wasn't doing it. No, because yeah. at that point you didn't need to. Uh, why come to believe in a power greater than yourself if you don't have to? Yeah, even I, though I, I agree with that, that's exactly the way I thought. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, you know, I may have given up on the idea that alcohol worked, but I hadn't yet given up on the idea that I worked. Because even after as dramatic as that last night of drinking was, within a week, I deluded myself into thinking it's not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah. It loses its power, doesn't it? The, the, the memory. And there were probably months at a time where I couldn't even tell you what that night was like because it didn't matter. It didn't fit 
It didn't fit the story that I was trying to tell about myself, to so, myself. So did you drink again? I did not drink. Uh, this obsession returned at a meeting. And I happened to be at a meeting with one of the few people I trusted enough to say, I think I'm an alcoholic. And he said, duh. <laughs> um, and we went outside and we had to talk about power. Wow. And he became my sponsor, and we worked the steps. You hadn't worked the steps before that, really? I had theorized about the steps. I had read about the steps. I discussed about the steps. Yeah. Lots of knowledge about the steps. I had made some lists about the steps. <laughs> you know, I had made some lists of things that might, people might call unmanageable. I would made some lists about things that people might call powerlessness. I would made some lists about what a God might look like, you know, and I would have told you, Oh, I've been working the steps. You, f you felt yeah. like you were doing it as they applied to me. Yes. But I hadn't done the steps. Yeah. I really hadn't done anything. Uh -huh. I was, uh, you know, well, it sounds like you were holding yourself apart. That's probably, yeah, that's, I would agree with that. I was holding myself apart. But I wanted to be really important in the groups. So what was your experience in the groups during those two years? I started looking at how some people seemed important and some people did not. Some people seemed cooler than other people. You know, some people seemed to attract a certain kind of attention that I, I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, and I... Just like with anything else, I tried to pretend to be the kind of person I wanted to be. It's just that kind of person happened to change once or twice a year. So I tried to pretend that I should be treated like an old timer because I wanted to be. You were looking at the at the social structure. Very, very much so. Of AA and yeah. trying to fit in just like any social group, try and figure out how it works and figure out how to make it work for you. And it probably was a little bit of a replacement. I mean, they say that, you know, the, the fellowship is a suitable replacement for drinking. And, and I, maybe I did it in my own way, but I just turned it into like a study and how do I fight my way in? And just like any other rule, the rule here is don't drink. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a little bit more. Well, it's like my friend group previous to that, the rule was drink as much and as possible as you can. And I thought I had chosen to do that. Here, the rule is just flipped. You don't drink. You earn time and earn respect and love. That's what I thought. Yeah. So you did you, you think at that two-year period you surrendered? You found a higher power? I surrendered to the idea that I didn't have the power. Um, which is I, the first step. Which is the first step. Um, and I I don't know what I believed. I didn't yeah. believe in anything. I think yeah. I had that mustard seed of willingness. I was willing to do whatever it takes to not have to go take that drink because I really wanted to, but I didn't want to. But I really wanted to. But and I didn't want to. It's such a tough place to be. Uh, yeah. And if it weren't for that guy, I would have. And so he was, uh, he became your sponsor. Yeah. 
and you worked the steps with him. I did. How quickly did you work the steps? Uh, by the end of that conversation, we went to his apartment, and I started writing the list of people I resented. Wow. Um, and I spent the next four hours at his apartment, and by the end of that, I'd had a pretty thorough fears list. Okay. Um, and then we moved on to the rest within over the coming weeks. That's what I did when I first came in. You just waited two years. <laughs> yeah, I waited two years, and then I went through the steps and... Did he get relief? Four to six weeks, definitely. Absolutely. It works. Mm -hmm. The biggest part was just knowing for certain what I was and what the problem was. And not only that there was a problem, that there was a solution. And a little bit given up on the... So you talked about being cool. What would you tell a newcomer? You know... For me, the whole idea of there being a God and finding the God of my understanding, it was just not cool. The The whole thing. I mean, I, I don't want to be, we've talked about it before, uh, a weak-minded cow brain was the way I described people who went to church. Yeah before and there was a, a curb market that opened up on sunday we had blue laws at the time here which means that you couldn't buy alcohol till one o'clock so i was waiting for one o'clock and watching people parked in front of a curb market where you could buy beer and there was a church there with you know families coming out and they're smiling walking hand in hand they're happy and i would just look at them with such contempt <laughs> such contempt Weak-minded cow brains can't think for themselves. And now you're in church a lot. Kind of. Kind of. You're in church basements, <laughs> in quotes, a lot. Well, I'm actually in church, too. I, I'm a member of, uh, I'm a Quaker now, and that's something that happened to me in I recovery. I thought you just were cold. You're quaking. But I'm bum. Dad joke. Um... <laughs> Uh, I was, the idea of God, I equated it to a morality thing, and I didn't really want to be a good person, because mm. good people don't get the kinds of things that I want. That was the problem. It's like, I want things. I want relationships that people disagree with. I want to dress and listen and think and be something wildly different than what a good person is. But if I had to surrender to a God, I might become a good person. Because I was, I was impressed with an idea of God in childhood, mm -hmm. and the people I knew and actually believed relied and used the God of their own were good people, and they seemed lame. They yeah. were boring. Yeah, they didn't go to rock shows. They weren't. They weren't having wild sex. You know, they weren't. They weren't pushing the boundaries of fashion, like I was. But you know. They weren't living. They, not to my standard. Yeah. <clears throat> Although all that is possible, being sober and having a higher power. It is definitely proved to be true. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like it. It didn't feel like it to me like it was possible on the other side. Although I will say that giving up the self-destruction, the, the self-destruction is part of being cool that I felt like was necessary. And I, and I really struggle with that in terms of artwork because there's this whole false concept for artists 
and blues musicians that you have to suffer and you have to live a life of, you know, dissolution to be able to be true to your art and be creative in a way that's cool enough to even access it to even access it yeah and it's and if you don't do that then i mean that's like worshiping the self destruction and definitely and i found in years later it took a few years in recovery to get to the place where i could be creative and not be self destructive but i had them so intertwined that they were the same thing self destruction was creativity in a way does that Makes sense it it resonates. You. I don't know about you know trying to be creative, but yeah, and I don't really relate to the way that I thought anymore in the same way. Hmm. So it's hard to describe. I mean, the best way to put it is you know I try. I was out to prove that I was important. I don't know who I was trying to prove it to, probably myself. Hmm. But I wanted other people to tell me that I'd proven I was important. But then they would, and I, I well. I don't trust your judgment. <laughs> Clearly, your yeah. judgment is flawed. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're in AA, so what do you know? <laughs> um, so I'm I'm curious. Anybody would have me as a member. It's Oof. it's not worth. It. Thanks, Groucho. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does a good day look like? A good day now. Wow. Yeah. Um, a good day doesn't take a lot of convincing to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, w- without purpose, without an intense meditation and, and even an inventory before I leave the house, there's no point. The day is about me, then I'm, I'm just going to spend it at home. Hmm. And I probably won't get out of bed. A lot of the circumstances that I thought I was coming to AA to fix have not really changed for me. Um, my health has plateaued. My ability and desire to relate to other people has plateaued. (laughs) Um, You know, I thought that all of these things were going to come to me like magic. And they just didn't. So, on bad days, I'm really disappointed with the way my life turned out. On most days, I've got the best life I've I've ever known. But at the beginning of the day, nope. You could go either way. My first thought every day is still, nope, we're not doing this. But then I get up, I look out the window, I remember remember God, I remember what I need to do today, I remember the the people I need to see, I remember the people I'm helping, I remember the people who are going through things, I remember the people I've told I'm going through things, and it's like, okay, that's, that's enough. That's enough reason to leave the house and go see them. Go do what I need to do. Go be who I'm supposed to be. And without any of that, I'll just sit at the house and go, nope. This sounds like you're saying the default is still thinking of yourself. Oh, which definitely. Is, which is mm-hmm. true of for course. me, too. And and that's what is so beautiful about working the program is it forces me to, to not stay there. Yeah. There's access to interrupting the, the default. Yeah. You know, and I've just got enough experience with, I mean, I'll admit, I'll tell anybody, I've spent years in just, nope, we're not doing this. I go to a meeting, I'll go to a meeting every day. I'll talk to y'all, but I'm just, I checked out. I was relying on myself, and the only thing myself had to say was, we're not doing this. 
And I was really comfortable with that until I, until I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I just had to recommit, just do that seventh step again. Just, oh, wait, I've got all of me. You take all of me. Even the nope. Even the <laughs> fact that I'd rather be at home. I've become comfortable with the idea that I don't like it, but God has me do things that I don't like. So when you recommit to the seventh uh, step and, uh, and you know, take all of me, what does that wind up looking like? What, what is the, in, in, the action of yeah, that? In big moments, what, the first thing I do is I just I read the book. And I can do that in a day or two. When I'm just done being alone in my head, I've discovered that the best practice for me is to sit down and read the book. Hmm. Um, and in somewhere in that book, it reminds me why, you know, it reminds me why living by myself doesn't work or it reminds me of what it's like out here with y'all or it reminds me of what it means to actually help somebody. Um, just there's just been a number of things and, and I just get that impression in my head and I use it as motivation. And just like I s- stopped drinking and started doing something else, I just. I stop relying on me and I start doing something else. I got to ask you, go back to, did, do you feel like you gave up your edge by surrendering to God and now you have to dress a certain way and now you, all of that? (laughs) See, I mean, you can have wild sex or you can't have wild sex. I mean, what's going on? In that moment, if it meant being able to stay sober, I was willing to give it all up. Uh-huh. Fortunately, that has not been required of me. Mm-hmm. My wardrobe is still just as fanatical as it ever was. Maybe not as intense, maybe not as dramatic. Uh, maybe I've discovered some things about my aesthetic that were meant to be off-putting more than inviting, and I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, maybe some of the music I was into... That part is like thinking of others a little bit. A little bit more. Um, Well, there's some selfishness in that. Uh, Why will nobody talk to me? Probably because you look like a horror show. Oh. But I like looking like a horror show, but I also want people to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I I just had to make a choice. And music? And the music is... uh, Well, I'm older now. So, I mean... I don't want to make it sound like I've aged out of all of this stuff, but I've, I've kind of aged out of all of this stuff. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily, I think the biggest change in my life is that I don't feel like I have to demonstrate all of this stuff to anybody. It's just, it's who I am. It's, it's what I live. It's what I enjoy. Um, it's what I'm attracted to. And I thought it was so important that everybody know. And that's what it was like with feelings, too. Like, I can't just be angry. I have to be angry in a way that everybody knows I'm angry. I got to demonstrate how different I am. Definitely. And and I'm just not interested in demonstrating it anymore. I got you. Unless people start getting close. and, And then I can communicate rather than demonstrate. And that's what I prefer. Rick, what's something that happened in recovery that's like was really pivotal? Wow. Um, I think it was when I finally admitted to myself 
that it'd been a long time since I thought about drinking. And then I actually was willing to say that out loud because I thought it was a little dramatic or I thought it was a little, she doth protest too much to say, I don't think about drinking. You know, I have a, I have a long history of not trusting anybody. So if you told me, I don't even think about drinking anymore. It's been a long time since I obsessed about drinking. I kind of went, yeah, but you're probably full of it. And I didn't want to sound like somebody who is full of it. But the truth of the matter is, is that not drinking is the easiest thing I do on a daily basis. Because the steps work that well. And if I, I started sharing that, because I think it was the final... The final frontier, the, the <laughs> final little surrender was that I shouldn't be ashamed to say that the steps worked. And I think I was. Hmm. For me, what I'm hearing you say there is, is kind of that, that place I was um, about God. You know, I, I remember being at, at, at work many, many years ago. A coworker was standing in the window looking out at the sky and saw these uh, two jet contrails cross paths. And she was like, oh my God, it's a cross, it's a sign. And I remember sitting there judging her so harshly and wanting to be able to believe like that. Wanting to be able to have such a simple belief that this thing is out there and it it exists and it works and it'll take care of you and all that. Yet my like super smart brain was like, but no, you can't have that, Sam. And so when I came in here and, uh, and I did get this relationship with a higher power, um, there was still some ego totally in play of, I don't want you to know that I've got this because it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's kind of it's condescending as hell. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, what that's what the weak-minded cow brains is about. Yeah, it's it like, is. I'm very happy for you. You seem very happy. It's too bad you're a fool. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that's the way I felt, and it's terrible. I used to look at my my parents had a. Uh, that statue of the praying hands is uh -huh. just two hands in prayer cast in this black bronze or something. And it said, be still and know I am Lord, I think. And I would look at that and go, those poor saps. <laughs> I just, I hated it. And I look back on it now. It's like, what the hell is so why do I did I need to be so judgmental about it? And in fact, if I am still, so I can feel some there is there's something else. So here I am. Oh my God, I've turned into my parents. <laughs> but you know the the fantastic thing about it that that gave but gave me access to this was that simple concept within AA of the God of your understanding when. People stopped telling me what I had to believe, and me being driven to my knees by alcoholism drove me to a point where I needed something and I knew it. I was okay with finding whatever that is. It, it's different 
than what you imagined. Absolutely different, but it's also, I don't have to define it. Mm-hmm. And that's and, okay, too. And that turns out to be one of the biggest things that I've got out of this, is that I don't have to define this. And all those years ago, when other people were defining it for me... People love to define it. That was absolutely in the way of me getting it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if I try to define it, I'm going to get in the way of me keeping it. Mm-hmm. It needs yeah. to be undefined as soon as you, for me. As soon as you define it, you've put it in a box... And then you understand it, and you've got a hold of it, and then you've lost it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, have, I have friends who really helped me. I picked up from a guy. It, it's carried through. He said, rather than thinking of a God of your own understanding, think of a God of your own experience. And that mm. turned a corner for me, because I may not totally understand God, but I have experienced God. And so what I have experienced, I can then turn around into a concept of understanding like god's got a track record so i kind of give him i give him the faith that he's going to continue that record you know even if that record is i don't always get what i want even if that record is is i'm not always appreciated the way i want to be (laughs) you know even if i mean it's no coincidence that things really changed when i realized i should have a god of my understanding rather than one of my choosing Oh yeah. See, well, I, you're, you I, keep I, talking about the experience. You learned about it through experience. It's all been experience. an educational variety of a spiritual experience. But then, I mean, yeah, it's just I grow in effectiveness and understanding, I'm, and it, it, that's exactly what that book tells me is going to happen, and I, I trust it. So why can't I trust the God that it refers to? The God that you're talking about is a God that you have direct experience of certain things happening that are real. And the nice thing about that is nobody can tell you it's not real because this is stuff that happened to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's real stuff that happened to me. Absolutely. Um, Rick, one of the things that I, I um, pay attention to you in meetings and around meetings and such is you have a, a very strong attraction to taking care of newcomers, to making sure that newcomers know they are welcome and uh, helping them understand what AA is about. What is it about carrying the message? I feel like it's, this is going to sound weird. No, I'll just say it. It's the only thing I'm good at. I don't feel confident in a lot of areas. I've tried a lot of activities. I might have a measure of success. I might feel, you know, a little bit of fulfillment. But being an AA is its the only thing I'm good at. Um, it's the only thing I feel confident about. Hmm. I was really worried that being in AA would define me. And now I, being an AA, defines me. It's, it's very important. You hear it in other areas a lot. Is like, be the guy that you wish you had. Because mm-hmm. to a certain degree, the way that I had to manipulate myself into the groups wasn't necessarily just me. There, was, there were people who actively rejected somebody who didn't look like the rest of the people. There were people who, you know, if you don't talk the way that we talk, then we don't really want to hang out with you or invest much time in you. You know, there were old timers who they maybe went to a meeting a week and that meeting wasn't on the schedule. And that was really awkward. So some of it, 
might be born of resentment, but a lot of it is principle, is that um, I want to be the kind of person who, fuck it, who should have been there when I showed up. Hmm. And I am freely willing to admit that that guy was probably there, but I wasn't paying attention to him. It's also important that I have a little bit of flash so that somebody who needs somebody like me can notice someone like me. Now, that's good. That is good. That's really good. I'm glad you're here. Watch your head. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. Seriously. Duck. I mean, ow. It's time for our old timers question. Who are you calling an old timer? You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. It's still one day at a time, Sonny. You're starting to sound like you're getting a little older there. I'm, I'm hanging on. <laughs> you can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. We have a question here. This is from Genevieve in Plattsburgh, Vermont. Genevieve asks, very simply, why are you still here? That's a good question. It is a good question. Well, I've heard we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> I think you need to insert a laugh track on that one. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's genuine laughter from me. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think the acid's coming. <laughs> Wait, I thought I got the acid. No, no, I'm clean and sober. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm still here because it's like what Rick was saying, that I am rewarded by the life that I have in AA. It is by being in AA and working with others. There's nothing like listening to a fifth step. You know, listen to a fifth step and somebody shares horrible behavior that they did that they're incredibly ashamed of and they summon the courage to share it with me. And I can say, I did that. You don't have to live like that anymore. Here's what I did. And that gives me a feeling of being helpful because you can see the relief come over a person, mm. which is what happened with me when I shared these things and, made, and had guidance to make amends and find a different way of living that is rewarding. There is nothing like waking up... Well, there, no, let me go to there's nothing like going to bed and thinking back over the day and realizing that I have been of use. You know, mm. I think self-esteem, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. And I did not do esteemable things back when I was drinking. But now, it, turning my focus to others, and also, I think, you know, like... I'm uniquely qualified to help another alcoholic. And I've thought a number of times, I need to, you know, I need to branch out a little bit. Like maybe I should start doing some political work or volunteer to help and reach out into some other areas. But the thing about it is, I'm uniquely qualified to help another alcoholic because I've been there and that counts. So it's rewarding. This way of life is rewarding. It gives meaning to life. I would wake up when I was a teenager. I remember waking up before I started drinking. 
and feeling life is meaningless. There is, there is like nothing here. And all this social stuff is all a bunch of crap. And I got, it was an awful feeling of angst and despair that I had. And I drank at that feeling. And I don't have that feeling when I'm in the center of AA. So it's a great way of life. I do it because I want to. Hmm. What about you, Rick? The same answer, really. I mean, one day we'll all be dead, and as glorious as that might be... um, (laughs) They will sing songs. No, just imagine the nothingness, and that sounds fantastic sometimes. (laughs) But while we're here, you know, I might as well be doing something I want to do. Um, Hmm. I've spent my entire life trying to do what I want to do. Um, I just wasn't really honest with myself about what I wanted. This is where I can figure out what I want and how to get there and what to do. It turns out that it's this. You know, I could be anywhere else, but I'm not. Some of that is because I'm supposed to be here, and some of that is because I've decided not to go to other places. I think I'm still here because I was willing to go anywhere, and this is it. Thanks. Good. Why am I still here? Because I'm happy. It's pretty simple for me. I'm, it's because I'm happy. I have had the opportunity to um, go back into a social organization I was a part of before um, drinking even became a problem for me. So in sobriety, I went back into the, that social organization and took a position on the board, if you will, a, 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 an officer position in that. And the work was not fulfilling even though it, it is useful to some people. I wound up leaving because if I'm going to do that kind of work, I want to do it in recovery. I want to help people get, get better, get their lives. And so now that's what I continue to do. Yeah, our, our greatest liabilities become our superpowers. Yeah, It's a cool experience. You could not have convinced me of that at all. No, it's kind of crazy. Uh-uh. You, you got to experience it in order to believe it, but Anything it's I've ever been tried to convinced of, you know, I fought it. Absolutely. Uh, so fortunately, nobody tried to convince me of anything. They just said, come on, guy. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> come this way. Come here. Come here. Do as I do. Uh, mostly, it was just quietly, just very quietly, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to solve this problem. Oh, you have that problem? Oh, I had that problem, and I did this thing, and this is what happened. I never once got the idea that they were telling me to do that. It was just, I felt like I was stealing the solution mm-hmm. from them. But that probably made it easier for you. Which made it perfect for me. <laughs> I could steal the idea. Well, you know, one of the things that I love about our, our fellowship is that it is all about storytelling. It is, yeah. Yeah. One person sharing their experience rather than saying, you need to do this and this, is to tell a story. Well, I, you know, I was in a situation similar to that, and I did this. Mm-hmm. And then you do what you want to do. Yeah. And I also have to share that, you know, just how sick I still am, that when you were first answering this question, Don, and you talked about listening to someone's fifth step, and, and they uh, start talking about this horrible experience, the thing, horrible thing they did, and you're like, oh, I did that. And the next thing that was in my mind, and here's how I got away with it. 
<laughs> or did your chicken die too? <laughs> oh, Don's was an owl. <laughs> Rick, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad you came. And here comes that owl, but it's dripping on. <laughs> oh, it has no head. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. of A's. You know, you wrote that at the end, didn't you? Well, yeah. Well, dude, you put in all those A's. You can, You need to rewrite it so it's not a a a a a a a a a a a It's it's a part of the the legacy. It's what we are. Of a? the boiled owl. A a. And one of the things I love is that we also have gay a a. A. And that one can often be gay. Gay. <laughs> So, hey, maybe that could be the West Coast thing. It'll be the the boiled the boiled goat the boiled goat. Yes. Gay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>